0: Would you please turn with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4? I want to talk to you for a few minutes on a message that I've got a real simple title for that just says keep pouring. Keep pouring. Keep pouring. If you've hung around... Micah and I a lot, uh, when any kind of events are going on, often you see us pouring drinks. I don't know why, the more I thought about this, I realized that it's very often that you see us at the drink table. Micah normally fixes ice, Uh, she normally hands me the cup of ice, and I pour the drinks. And occasionally we get to a point where I'm tired of pouring drinks, and I say, babe, how many more have I got to do? She said, just keep pouring. You with me? This week, I'm sure at some point in time at youth camp, I will begin fixing ice or pouring drinks, and I will be so tired of pouring drinks, and somebody's going to have to look at me and say, just keep pouring. But not only is it with drinks and ice at parties and funerals and weddings and all this fun stuff that Micah has to look at me and tell me this, but so often really... I get tired and aggravated with different things in life and I feel like what in the world because remember I'm results driven and so often we don't see results and I'm like why, why do we even do, why, why are we going through what we're going through, why do we do what we do, why is it that God has called us sometimes to do what he's called us to do, why is it that he, he's given us these things, these challenges, these gifts and Micah has to look at me and say in essence just keep pouring. That's not always easy to do though. And this whole thought process comes out of this text, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1-7. through 7. I want to read this to you, uh, the New King James Version. It says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And a creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maid servant has nothing but a jar of oil so what is it nothing or a jar of oil he said then go borrow vessels from everywhere from all your neighbors empty vessels do not just gather a few and when you've come in you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought in the vessels to her and she poured it out. Somebody say she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were what? That she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel and the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt And you and your son shall live on the rest. Lord bless your word today. There's several thought processes going on here for me that I believe the Lord has just put on my heart this week. Heard a fantastic sermon out of uh, further down chapter four this week that it would have been great to preach that and take that guy's stuff, but that's not how I roll. So I need the Lord to give me something fresh And this just really burned on my heart. The problem is here is this lady who some believe is Obadiah's wife. A lot of scholars believe she is the wife of Obadiah. Obadiah was known for borrowing money to support the prophets. I think he probably had a lot of crazy numbers. I think he probably uh, didn't really care how and when, and you say, well, how did that work out for him? He died and left his wife with all his debt. Well, let's get to the end of the story. God still provided for his crazy numbers. Man, I won't even plan on saying that today. You with me? So this lady is stuck, and she's got this debt, and For whatever reason, if the scholars are right and if it really is Obadiah's wife and the money really did get borrowed to pay for the prophets, regardless, we know he was a godly man. We know that he was a man after God's heart. He feared the Lord. She says that. And he said, what do you, Elisha said, what do you want from me? Her problem is, if you will, she could not fulfill her commitment. That's my first thought today. She could not fulfill her commitment. It's a problem. It's a a struggle. It's a situation. Here's a debt she cannot pay. So the, the law said that because she couldn't pay it, the creditor could come and take her two sons to be slaves and work for him until the year of Jubilee when all the debts were wiped away. She's got a problem. This isn't a car that's going to be repoed. It's not a house that's going to be foreclosed on. It is her son's. It's now her livelihood because her husband has passed. She has nobody. So this is isolation. This is her being alone. This is her not having provision. This is lots of stuff going on because she could not fulfill her commitment. And so as I thought about this commitment and I thought about what it must have meant for her, I thought about the church. And I thought about you and I, and I thought about the Great Commission. Jesus said in Matthew 28 18 through 20, He came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, which we sang about earlier, if you forgot already. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I don't really know that you have, but I know that Mitchell has not gone, therefore, into all the earth and baptized all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? Have you? Therefore, we have a commitment that has yet to have been fulfilled, right? Not only that, but I thought about the debt that was paid for my sin. The the life that had to be given, Jesus had to give himself. He had to pour out all that he was literally, even at the point that he was asking God. And I, I would even go as far to say, begging God, Lord, if there be any other way, let me get out of this situation. But yet he died in my place. That is a debt in which I cannot satisfy. I cannot fulfill my commitment. We've been given a debt. We get a commission and we're indebted to a savior with a debt that cannot be repaid. The church has to realize that we have the responsibility, very similar to this lady, to fulfill a debt. What are we doing to accomplish it? What are we doing to make the difference? What are we doing to attempt to fulfill that obligation? Second thought is the oil had value. What do you got, lady? Nothing. What do you mean nothing. Well, nothing but a little jar of oil, which is still nothing. By her response to the prophet, when Elisha asked, What's in your house? And she says, Nothing, that tells me that she put very little value in the oil that was in the house, right? She didn't think she had enough. She didn't think that it had value. But in reality, oil was used for many things, including anointing the body, cooking, offering up it as a sacrifice, burning in lamps, medicinal purposes, and for anointing the dead. It was made from olives. Olives had to be pressed rather than crushed, which is a whole interesting thought in itself. It was one of the most valuable products, and it was directly related with the symbolism of gladness. This lady's dealing with mourning. Mourning. She's dealing with death. The omission of oil represents sorrow. If she'd only realized what it was that she actually had, because her initial response is nothing. Therefore, the omission of oil, she's got it out of her mind that there's any worth to that oil. Therefore, she's walking in sorrow. There's so many sermons in this sermon today. The oil represented the Holy Spirit. It was used in every area of their life. It was typical for a Hebrew person from the very early morning in their preparing themselves for the day to the very uh, night time when the sun would go down and they'd have to use oil in the lamp. Oil was used all throughout the day. It was present in every moment of every day in every person's life. And all throughout scripture, we see it recognized and represented as a covering of the Holy Spirit. We saw David whenever he was he was chosen and he was pointed out by uh, the prophet whenever he, Jesse brought the sons up and he, he had these tall, dark, and handsome dudes and he's like, no, nah, it's not that one, not that one, not that one, and then finally he said, you got any other sons, you know what happens. David comes in from the field and he is anointed with oil and oil begins to flow down his face and at that point there's a covering over him. There's a blessing over him. There is power that comes over him, not for that season even. He's just a boy. It's for the season way down the road when he would become king. It's a covering. How often do we discount the covering in the presence of God in our lives just because we don't see it happening right now? The theme of God's glory, if you watched any of the services at camp meeting, it was preached all week. I don't think intentionally. It was amazing how all the entire week tied together. And I don't have time to to go through and preach, and I told you I don't steal their stuff Not that it's theirs anyway. But the whole theme of the entire thought process, just in a nutshell, is we need the glory of God in our churches. You with me? We, we feel occasionally the, the kabod glory, if you will, the glory of God pressing down on us, and we feel his presence. We feel God moving in our midst. We feel God, something taking place, the Holy Spirit moving about us, right? But we don't necessarily have the Shekinah glory anymore, the glory that can be seen where just like on the day of Pentecost, the, the wind filled the house where they were sitting and fire began to sit on them. That was the Shekinah glory of God. We don't have that very often anymore, I was, had a, a pastor text me this morning, one of the forerunners, the fathers that I look up to in the pastoral realm, Brother J.D. Hudson. Every time he sees me, he has to remind me of how him and his wife were both saved in this church. And now he has gone on and he's retired even after years and years of ministry. And he, out of the blue this morning, he texts me, but I remember him telling me the other night I was standing talking to him in in the tabernacle at the camp meeting. And he said, I remember, son, there's two times in my entire life that I've ever seen the Shekinah glory of God. He said, one time was in this tabernacle, in this sanctuary, there was a camp meeting, he said, and the preacher was preaching and he failed to give an altar service when he felt like he was supposed to. And all of a sudden, you saw a wind come through the room and it knocked that man. He said, I'm telling you, it knocked him back 30 or 40 feet off his feet. And he just laid there and we're all sobbing, Lord, don't kill us right now. And all of a sudden, he, when he got up, he said, I was supposed to give an altar service 10 minutes ago and never did. And the Shekinah glory began to take place in the room and got settled. He said the other time was in the sanctuary of the Sapona Road, the East Fayetteville Church of God. He said it was powerful. Is that the last time that the Shekinah glory was seen in this house? I, I'm not being in any way, I'm just asking, I don't know. We need the Shekinah glory in the room. The glory of God is the covering the anointing, we don't realize the value that's in the oil. We don't realize the value of the presence of God. We don't realize the value of the glory of the Lord. It's in the glory that healings take place. It's in the glory that marriages are restored. It's in the glory that lost sons and daughters come home. It's in the glory that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is poured out on his people. It's in the the glory that miracles begin to take place. We need the glory of God. We need the anointing. But yet so often when we're asked what we have, we respond with nothing. The oil has value. The oil has value. We've got to recognize today The value of what we have in our life because of the anointing of the oil. Thirdly, this lady's faith was measured by the number of pots that she collected. Elisha said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors empty vessels don't just gather a few now if he said go borrow vessels from everywhere then the excuse of I borrowed everybody on this streets vessels is just an excuse if the response of that household that I enjoy going to didn't have any more vessels then it's just an excuse Elisha said go borrow vessels from everywhere yet we still see this limited number of vessels that she's borrowed. I don't know how many it is. I just know that in this point, in this this story, this short seven verses, we actually have a way to measure faith in this lady. She had faith or she wouldn't have went and borrowed any vessels, right? Some of us would kind of be like, Lord, have mercy, what is this even about? So if she hadn't had faith, she wouldn't have went and borrowed any And it got to this point that she thought, okay, that's enough. We've got enough, son. You don't have to go back out anymore. Her faith was measured by the number of vessels, or the pots that were collected. If her livelihood depended on how much oil she would pour, why did she stop? If I was told that I could have a money tree growing in the backyard. Don't you think it'd be fertilized daily? Don't you think that if I was thirsty, that tree would still have water, right? Don't you think you're going to do whatever you've got to do to take care of that resource because it's a source of livelihood? If she knew, if she realized that the more pots I gather, the more this is going. Why did she ever stop gathering pots in the first place? Her husband's dead. All she has is her two sons. Why not set up an inheritance for her sons? Why not Why not go ahead and make it so that we, we can have all that we need and we can even overflow to give some back? Why not keep gathering pots? I think the answer is similar to if God's poured out blessings on our lives. In our life, those blessings are a reflection of our giving resources and ourselves, those crazy numbers. If we realize that the more that I pour out of me, the more God's going to pour in, why would I ever stop? You with me? I didn't mean for this to be so heavy. If God was going to take care of me forever, and God's going to use me to reach so many other people, but in the process, I'm going to have the desires of my heart, and the promises of God are going to be true on my life, why would I ever stop gathering pots Her faith could be measured with the number of pots that were collected, and I believe mine and your faith can be measured with the pots that we're willing to collect. I wonder what our faith gauge, if you will, would show based on our ability to tap into the presence of the glory of God. Our our ability to actually, God's presence is in the room now. He's everywhere. The fullness of God is in the room. So where's the struggle? Where's the disconnect? Our ability to tap into that. It's not because he's not giving us permission. It's not because he's not allowing us in. It's because we can't align ourselves right to press in to the glory. So what would that faith gauge look like based on our ability to press in to the presence of God? What would the faith gauge look like if it would only show the results of the number of people that we've invited into the house or that we've spoken life into this week or month or year. What would that gauge look like? Her faith was measured by the number of pots that she brought into the house. If her, no, her faith was measured by the number of pots, I believe our faith could be measured by the number of pots we bring into the house. Right? It has to be mentioned, I believe, that she borrowed the vessels. Why? She had no intention of keeping the vessels. She just needed somewhere to pour the oil. Hmm. She didn't need the vessels, she needed somewhere to pour the oil. So, really, wasn't the purpose of gathering the vessels to bring them in, to pour out what she had, so that then she could send the vessels back out? They were borrowed. She didn't keep them, they went back out. So, what happened was. She brought the the vessels in. The door was shut because sometimes the pouring has to take place behind closed doors. Sometimes it can't be seen. It had to take place in private. It was more about filling the pots. Lastly, she lived on the leftovers She lived on the leftovers. So let's work all this out. Elisha gives the directions. Go out, gather the pots, bring them in, shut the door, begin pouring, don't stop until all the pots are full. When they're full, use them to pay your debts, and then you and your son live off the rest. What's the takeaway? We wrap all this back together. We've got a commitment and a commission to fulfill. a debt that can't be paid. The reality is that we can never repay the debt of our sin on our own. But there's something that you have. Although the answer might be nothing, there is something that we have that can be used. Maybe we only have a little faith. Maybe there's only a little bit of drive left. Maybe you feel like You only have a little bit of what's needed to make a difference. Maybe you never thought about the fact that you can actually be used to make a difference. It's amazing to me the people that sit on the pews of churches every week and they think God can't use them. What? Have you... Let's pick this up and read it a little bit and see what kind of guys and ladies that God really does use. It sure ain't the perfect ones. There's a ton of the Psalms that are written out of David's running because he's made mistakes. Poor Sarah was was getting on up there in age before she were happen to get pregnant and bring life into the world that allowed Abraham to be the father of nations. Age is no excuse. It's amazing to me how many people believe they can't be used. You have what somebody else needs. There are empty vessels all around us. Everywhere we go, there's empty pots that are needing to be filled it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility because I have a debt that I can't seem to pay. I've got a fulfillment that I can't, I can't complete that fulfillment. The Great Commission is the Great Commission because I, on my, on my own, on by myself, I have not gone, therefore, into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So until I fulfill that Great Commission in, in confluence with you and everybody else in the church, until we fulfill that appointment, there is a debt and a commitment that is to be paid. Our friends and our family and our neighbors are waiting empty, needing hope, restoration, refreshing. They need your oil in their vessels. You seen dried out leather? You put. A little, I got a baseball glove that I don't even think it's made for an adult anymore. It never was. I used to growing up, and whenever we got ready to start T-ball with McCaden, I went into the storage bin and found this glove that was as green as these pews. It was supposed to be as brown as the wood on the pews, but yet it was as green as the pew. It's nasty, stunk, And I went and got a little bit of leather oil. It was even dry and crusty in a couple places. And I began to spray that thing down and I soaked it and I let it soak and soak in there and I'd move it around and then I'd spray it some more and I'd let it soak and absorb and absorb and I'd spray it some more with that oil and it would soak it and absorb it and absorb it and I promise you today it looks better than the day I got it 15 years ago. And that's the way that some of the people around us are some of the people you're going to come in contact with today are dried up. They look like a shriveled raisin. And all it is is they need somebody with some oil to pour into their vessel to make a difference in them. But yes, so often we say, "I ain't got anything." But this little jar of oil. No! You've got a jar of oil. That's what you have. As we pour God brings increase. He brings sustainability. He brings strength. We need to keep holding the pot. It's not easy to stand there and hold a pot of oil and keep pouring and keep pouring and keep pouring. I hate filling my my Jeep up with, look, I'm going to pour that water. I I don't like to pour my Jeep but fill it up with a gallon of oil or those two, uh, those eight-quart bottles, whatever they are. They get heavy, right? And you can't stand there and pour. I can get it in my Jeep. But if I had to fill it three times as much as I do, my arm would get really tired, We need strength to be able to be sustained, to keep pouring the oil. He brings the resources for the house. His anointing can only be multiplied by him. But Elisha, I can imagine this. I'm going to read into it a little bit. It ain't there in your Bible, so just give me the grace. But Elisha, you don't understand. It's just A little bit of oil. It's just a small jar, it's not enough. If I pour it all out, I'll have nothing left. If I pour it all out, there'll be nothing for me and my boys. Pour it anyway. Don't stop pouring, but I'm tired. Keep pouring. I don't like the way this looks. Keep pouring. I don't like the way this sounds. Keep pouring. I don't like the way this makes me feel. Keep pouring. I don't like the way this makes my hands dirty. Keep pouring. It had to have been messy. Keep pouring. Keep pouring until every vessel is full, until every person has seen Jesus, until every marriage has been restored, until every lost son or daughter is saved. Keep pouring until human trafficking has been ended and it's killed all, until peace has been restored, until the day that Jesus shows back up. Keep pouring. Keep pouring when the oil is cold and thick and it's hard and you've got to stand there and wait and wait and wait. Where's the next drop coming from? It's like cold molasses. You can't even get it on the biscuit because it's so cold. Keep pouring. Everybody around you says there's not enough. Keep pouring. When you've convinced yourself that there's not enough, not enough in you, keep pouring when you're alone and on an island and even your spouse or that person that's closest to you looks at you like Job's wife did and says, you need to curse God and die, keep pouring. There will always be leftovers. As long as you give, you'll always have more than you need. As long as you bless those around you, you'll always be blessed. Keep pouring. There's a verse of scripture that I've got written on the bathroom mirror. I told you that I write them. The one that's up there right now came out of our reading several weeks ago. It's first Chronicles 2820. It says, and David said to his son Solomon. Solomon's got a grand task of rebuilding the temple. He has the Lord's work at the very heart of who he is. And I can't imagine what it would look like what it would feel like, that for for years and generations and generations, God's spirit, his glory has traveled from place to place to place. And now all of a sudden we're going to build him a temple for him to reside in, for him to stay in. We want to build him a place. I can't imagine the weight. You think you and I have it hard to try to fill some empty vessels? Try building the temple. And David said to Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. Nike didn't come up with just do it. David did. Do it. Suck it up, son. Do it. And I have had to give myself in the morning when I didn't really want to brush my teeth and I didn't want to comb my hair. I've had to look at that scripture and say, do it, son. Because the next part of that passage is beautiful. It says, for do not be, do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, David said, will be with you. He'll not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work, all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Until every vessel is full, that oil's not gonna run dry. Until every vessel, everywhere we look, until all nations have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, until every every person, every soul has been touched, do it. Because He's not going to leave you until the work for the house of the Lord has been finished. Jesus is in the garden and he's praying. Pastor Justin, I think, talked about this last week. He's praying and he's struggling, he's suffering. He's agonizing. Father, you don't understand. You're asking me to walk through this torture. We started watching something this week, and my my kids are like, oh my goodness, what is this? And we're like, it's the Bible, baby. This happened in the Bible? Yeah, we can't even fathom what our Savior went through, so that we could stand here in freedom today, making our own choices. Father, if there's any way that I can get out of this, I need to get out of this. As a father, if my boy looks up at me with them little beady blue eyes, I can't even stand there and make him stay on the floor. I gotta pick him up. I can't imagine what agony the Father felt. There's no response that I've ever seen in Scripture. Instead, it's the omission of a response. There's nothing there. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But if not, let let your will be done, not mine. He never responded. Maybe he did. They didn't record it. But I believe what he was actually doing was he was looking down. And I believe the father has to be sobbing over his boy He said, Pour it out, son. Just keep pouring. Just keep pouring, son. It's going to be over soon. Just keep pouring. Don't stop. I know. I know what kind of torture you're about to walk through, but keep pouring. Don't stop pouring. Keep pouring. We need to keep pouring. We've got a commitment to feel. There's value inside of what's in you. Your faith can be measured by the number of pots you collect to feel. And I promise there's always gonna be leftovers. Jesus fed thousands with a, a happy meal of its day. And they picked up basketfuls of leftovers. The disciples, I believe, were servants. I believe they didn't eat first. I believe they didn't get theirs out of the first rounds of the thousands of meals that went around. You know why I think there was 12 baskets of leftovers? I I think instead of a pinch of bread and a little piece of that fin of the fish they were going to get, instead, Jesus handed them a basket and said, Here, son, you've served well. You've done well. You've put yourself behind everybody else. You poured out and you poured out. Here's the leftovers. Go sit down and have a feast. There's always going to be leftovers. And we live on the leftovers. I really had no idea how deep and how heavy this message was going to be. But if you're willing to say, if you're willing to make the commitment And you're willing to say I'll keep pouring when it's not easy when it's not convenient even though I don't feel like my oils any good anymore if you've realized and you're willing to stand with me today and say I'll keep pouring would you meet me in this altar for a moment let's have a time of prayer together Hallelujah. Would you just lift up your voices for a moment and tell the Lord how good He is? Father, you're so good. Lord, you poured your oil out on us. You poured, Jesus, thank you for pouring. Thank you that you kept pouring when you wanted to quit, when it felt better for you to quit, when you wanted to give up, when you didn't want to keep going. God, thank you. Jesus, thank you for putting the Father's will above your own will. Thank you for being an example for us today that it's not by my will, but it's by your will, Lord. Thank you for pouring. God, today we recognize we've got a commitment. We recognize we've got a debt that cannot be filled on our own. God, but we cannot stop striving to feel that commission and that commitment. God, there's something special inside of us. Because if we have accepted you, we have an anointing. We have your spirit. We have that oil inside of us. God, and I believe today you sent this little nudge by to us to push us to keep pouring. Keep pouring. There's more inside of you. Family, there's more in you. You feel like it's dried up, but I promise there's more in you. Keep pouring. Keep pouring. God, I believe that vessels all over our families, God, all over this community, God, all over our workplaces and restaurants, God, I believe we're going to walk in and see dried, shriveled up looking uh, green baseball gloves, Lord, and all of a sudden you're going to let us begin to pour and pour and pour that oil on them and they're going to be refreshed, they're going to be restored, they're going to be brought back to a place that's better than it was whenever they were created in the first place. Dry, empty, cracked vessels need our oil. God, let us keep pouring. Father, we thank you. I thought what a better way for us to try to end this message today than receiving communion and appreciating what was poured out for you and me. It was his blood that was poured out. He chose to keep pouring. And as Jesus sat around with the disciples at the Last Supper, he said, eventually I'm going to have to leave you. Eventually I'm not going to be present with you. But you can remember me. And you can be one with me, by the way, that you pour yourself out. <laughs> In your own way, as I pray this closing prayer, would you commit to keep pouring out, to pour into vessels, for God to show you the vessels. Vessels are everywhere. Elisha said, go everywhere and collect empty vessels. Don't get just a few. We're not supposed to stop. Would you pray, Father? Father? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for this calling and this commission you put on our life today. Lord, thank you for this message. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these people that stand in this altar. Lord, as we are going to commit ourselves to a commission, we're going to commit ourselves, God, to faithfully pouring out ourselves, God, to pouring our resources, to pouring who we are. God, it doesn't have to be seen. It's actually more, uh, more um blessed, I believe, Lord, it's more appropriate for it to be behind a closed door when we pour in to somebody's life. God, it's not about what's seen. It's not about what somebody else can see us do. God, it's about how you are gonna bless the person that we're pouring into. Father, we wanna be that person to pour today. God, maybe we think we don't have much, but there is a small jar of oil that we don't understand the capacity of. We don't understand how deep that well of oil really is but it's an oil that will never stop. It's an oil that'll never run dry. Father, as long as we keep pouring, the reason that oil stopped for that little lady was because she stopped pouring. As long as we pour, as long as we keep pouring, as long as we keep pouring, Father, the oil's gonna always be there. There's gonna always be leftovers. Father, I thank you for this amazing time together today. Lord, I pray you bless your people. God, let your face shine on them. Give them grace and peace. Turn your face toward them, Lord, and keep them. And give them safety in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.